Alright, what's going on, y'all? Buenos noches. Let's get into it. Berserker, what's going on, my man? Everyone else in the chat? Periscope, YouTube, DLive. Appreciate y'all tuning in. It's going to be a good stream. I am Sean Corey. Welcome in. You can find all my links and stuff at seanvplanet.com. That right there. <laughs> if you're watching live, it's always right there. Subscribe to my video channel on YouTube, Rumble, Gab, TV.gab, and BitChute. Uh, even though BitChute won't let me upload anymore for some reason. And you can, as always, find the audio, the podcast form of all these streams on my channels on whatever podcast app you use. Apple, Google, whatever the Google one's called. <laughs> Spotify, Podbean, etc., etc. Um and follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Gab, TikTok, Telegram, Bertaria Times app, Social Galactic, um, at Sean V Planet on all of those. And the link for my Discord is in the show notes. And also my P.O. box is in the show notes if you want to send me cool stuff or letters. And um, if you really want, if you can, if you have extra money to spare, you can help me out financially. Um, I have a PayPal now. It's paypal.me slash Sean V Planet. Or you can go to donorbox.org slash Planet. So paypal.me slash Planet or donorbox.org slash Planet. And I think both of them allow you to do little texts with it. So if you have like a super chat you want me to read um, with your little donation, I'll read it on the stream. And links to my Venmo and Cash App are on my website if you prefer all those. I appreciate it, y'all. Um, I do truly, I appreciate all the love, all the support, even just clicks and views and reshares. I love that more. <laughs> Sometimes that's more valuable than just uh, some, some Babylon paper money, you know? Um, and yeah, y'all are just amazing. Amazing. Thank you guys. We are at the creepy Satan number episode, um, kind of. <laughs> Not triple six, but double six. Um, but just, you know, because this number was coming up, I figured it would be a good time to finally read and discuss the screw tape, screw tape letters tonight. It's a book that, you know, tens and tens and tens of people have recommended to me. And so I couldn't just like not read it <laughs> and examine it and break it down and ladle some gravy about it. Um, it just felt like the right number episode to do that. It was an amazing read, so packed with knowledge and insight into how evil works, um, how evil just you know manipulates, how it spreads, and basically just gives us, gives us all a blueprint of how evil works <laughs> and how we as warriors for the good, true, and the beautiful can combat wickedness, falsehood, and ugliness. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that. Bushwhacking History in Buffalo. Follow it on YouTube. My boy Berserker Bear over there. Always ladling gravy. Um, <laughs> coming in with the Logos locomotive. I love that. Um, right on. And yeah, send comments, questions to the chat. Everyone on DLive, YouTube, and Periscope. We got four people on Periscope. We got three people on YouTube. And one person on DLive. <laughs> it's usually the opposite. Everyone usually is tuning on DLive, but not tonight. So we'll see. Night is young, I guess. But let's get, just get into it. <laughs> let's get it rolling. Um, how the book opens, again, 
I can't recommend reading this enough. Um, and we'll get into it when I kind of close and wrap up. But it's basically just the inversion of Christianity, right? It's like how to be a Christian. What is the Christian faith? How to do it, but inverted. It's two demons writing letters to each other talking about how to be evil, <laughs> how to spread wickedness, how to spread falsehood, how to lead people into despair and, you know, wickedness in general. Um, and yeah, it's just beautifully written by C.S. Lewis. I don't know if I've mentioned that. Yeah, C.S. Lewis, the legend. Um, and it's just so beautifully constructed too. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally constructed like a collection of letters and we're going to talk about that 31 letters um even my book has like peripheral things so it even look like physically if you can see this if you're not listening but you can see what i'm showing to the camera it's like literally broken into like sections like as if the book itself is physically um i don't know the right word to use that but it's like broken into sections like literally like it's a bunch of letters stapled together so that was pretty dope and it's just written perfectly. The, um, yeah, just everything about it so perfectly. But it starts off with <laughs> C.S. Lewis saying, This classic has entertained and enlightened readers the world over with its sly and ironic portrayal of human life and foibles from the unique vantage point of Screwtape, a highly placed assistant to, quote, our father below. So again, everything's inverted. So to them, to screw tape, the higher powers are the evil powers, the lower powers, our father below. And the enemy, which you'll hear being used a lot, the enemy is in fact God. So it's just beautifully inverted, and you'll see why we'll get into it. At once wildly comic, deadly serious, and strikingly original, C.S. Lewis gives us the correspondence of the worldly wise devil to his nephew Wormwood a novice demon in charge of securing the damnation of an ordinary young man. The Screwtape Letters is the most engaging account of temptation and triumph over it ever written. And I can say that, yeah. <laughs> um, ever written. I haven't really read, um, the only thing I could imagine at this point in time in history that I know of, but I have yet to read is, um, would be E. Michael Jones' books. Uh, libido dominante it's probably better but i haven't read, read read it yet so as of now i do agree the screw tape letters is the most engaging account of temptation and triumph over it ever written c.s lewis dedicates the book to J.R.R. tolkien and then opens with two quotes one is from luther the best way to drive out the devil if he will not yield to tests of scripture is to jeer and flout him for he cannot bear scorn. And another from Thomas More, the devil, the proud sprite, cannot endure to be mocked. <laughs> yeah. And he does that, he does so beautifully in this book. In the preface, Lewis reminds all readers to remember that the devil is a liar, that not everything screw tape says should be assumed to be true, even from his own angle. Screwtape holds an administrative post in the bureaucracy or, quote, lowerarchy of hell and acts as a mentor to his nephew Wormwood, an inexperienced and incompetent tempter. In the 31 letters which, which comprise the book, Screwtape gives Wormwood detailed advice on various methods of undermining God's words 
and of promoting abandonment of God in the man he is assigned to tempt into damnation. In Screwtape's advice, selfish gain and power are seen as the only good, and neither demon can comprehend God's love for man or acknowledge human virtue. And then we'll just get into it. We'll kind of break down and summarize all 31 letters. Send comments or questions to the chat. Um, yeah. In the first letter, Screwtape the Demon begins to advise the demon Wormwood about how to tempt his assigned human named the Patient. So whenever you say the Patient, that's the young man being tempted by Wormwood. And Screwtape writes all these letters um, to Wormwood. How to tempt his assigned human named the patient into sin and eventually into hell. The advice is that Wormwood should not attempt to use arguments to convince the patient as it is an outdated form of manipulation in the 20th century. He should instead seek to use emotions to keep the patient from using reason. Screwtape recalls how he kept an atheist from reasoning that the enemy, God, so the enemy in these letters is actually God, Screwtape recalls how he kept an atheist from reasoning that the enemy exists by tempting him to go to lunch. Wormwood is advised to always remind the patient about the ordinariness of things and that he must be kept away from science. It will make the patient think of things he can't touch or see. In the second letter, Screwtape reprimands Wormwood. <laughs> so it escalates pretty quickly. Screwtape reprimands Wormwood for allowing the patient to become a Christian. But the patient expects an ideal spiritual church, not normies and losers. Wormwood must not let the patient realize that the images he has of spirituality are stereotypes. He should try to make the patient feel disappointed, as disappointment usually marks major transitions in life. People feel disappointed when their idle dreams turn into active work. But if they overcome this initial period of disappointment, those people become much harder to tempt. If it turns out that the other members of the patient's church, in addition to being everyday and ordinary, are actually hypocrites, then Wormwood's mission becomes smooth sailing. In the third letter, Screwtape advises Wormwood to manipulate the patient's relationship with his mother a supposedly difficult and nitpicky woman. First, Wormwood should make the patient think that his conversion to Christianity is internal and grand, rather than a part of his day-to-day -day life. Second, Wormwood should encourage the patient to offer only prayers for his mother's sins. This will make him think of what she does as being wrong. Third, Wormwood should encourage the patient to focus on his mother's annoying habits. Fourth, he must encourage his patient to read a bitter tone into his mother's voice, even when she's not using one. At the same time, the patient must expect his mother to only take into account his words, not the tone with which he uses them. That way, both mother and son will argue often and both will think they are the one in the right. It's constant division and constant turmoil within family. Constantly dividing family members against each other. Yeah. 
Satan rejoices when he can break up families. In the fourth letter, Screwtape writes that it is best to keep the patient from praying at all. But if the patient does pray, Wormwood should see to it that he invents his own prayers. His prayers should be more like a general mood than an act of concentrated meditation. His prayers should be focused on his own feelings instead of God's will, and he should make the patient want to feel better. So that the patient seeks to feel forgiven or feel brave instead of praying for forgiveness or praying for courage. Screwtape writes that humans do not know the enemy's full power, so they can be tricked into thinking about and worshiping only images or thoughts. They pray to the crucifix on their wall, not to the enemy. He claims that people think they want to feel fully exposed to the enemy's divine presence, but in reality, they are afraid to truly feel it. Yeah. It's also wild reading this, like you can easily put yourself into all of these scenarios and situations too. It's so wild and crazy. Um, yeah. It's all, yeah. And then for me personally, like in my life journey as we go, like a lot of this stuff is exactly stuff I've dealt with. And even to this day, I'm like, whoa, I need to really focus on not doing that. <laughs> I often am led into doing this kind of stuff, you know? And then you start to question your demon, your assigned demon, uh, whatever his name may be, <laughs> and uh, how he's affecting you in your life. But in the fifth letter, Screwtape chides Wormwood for being too joyful about the start of World War II. In the end, the war might not help him in his project to undermine the patient's faith and win over his soul. War is entertaining because of the immense human suffering involved, Screwtape writes, but it is just as likely to turn humans, in, turn humans to the enemy as it is to lead them into hell. Also in wartime, men are prepared to die. They are conscious of their mortality, so if they are Christians, they often prepare their souls in advance. Screwtape claims that it would be much better for devils if all humans died in hospitals and nursing homes, where they are coddled and misinformed about their coming deaths. Suffering is an important part of what the enemy calls redemption. Again, that's God. <laughs> Suffering so, Rephrase that in your brain. Suffering is an important part of what God calls redemption. The suffering involved in war often leads men to redemption and into the enemy's clutches. In the sixth letter, the patient is uncertain whether he will be drafted and Screwtape advises Wormwood to keep the patient in a state of maximum uncertainty. He should keep the patient from thinking of his fear as a test from the enemy and make him think only of the things he fears. Screwtape offers a general rule. Encourage the patient to focus only on objects and to keep him from being self-aware. If the patient is praying, then he should be kept from thinking of the enemy and instead be encouraged to think about himself, no matter what. War tends to encourage people to hate unknown, invisible enemies. Wormwood is advised to direct the patient's hatred towards his neighbors and his good intentions towards people far remote, so that the patient's virtues will be pushed out into the realm of fantasy. 
In the seventh letter, Screwtape reminds Wormwood that the present policy of Hell's High Command is for devils to keep themselves concealed and invisible. This was not always the protocol in place, but now is the, now is the practice used to make humans skeptics and unaware of the spiritual battles taking place around them. Screwtape hopes people will worship the, quote, forces of science without believing in invisible spirits, quote, spirits. So the modern image of devils as comical figures, Screwtape writes, will keep the patient skeptical and ultimately help Wormwood corrupt him. Then, Screwtape considers whether to make the patient a patriot or pacifist. Other than extreme and devout devotion to God, all extremes are good for the cause of evil. Because the patient is afraid of the war, Screwtape recommends that Wormwood try to make him a pacifist. The patient may become disillusioned and view himself as a coward, and hopefully then become a hypocrite. But if Wormwood decides to push patriotism, then the objective is the same, to make the patient think his cause is religious. As long as pamphlets and earthly causes mean more to the patient than prayers and true charity. In the eighth letter, the devil training college has gone to pieces, <laughs> Screwtape laughs, since director Slubgob was put in charge. Yeah, the demon's names are hilarious in this too. <laughs> director Slubgob was put in charge and the devil training college has gone to pieces. Wormwood, he writes, is a fool. He has forgotten that human beings are part animal, part spirit. Unlike spirits, they exist in time. This means humans change and are inconstant. Their lives go through good periods and bad periods, ups and downs. Wormwood's patient is in a bad period at the moment, but Screwtape warns that the enemy uses bad times to win souls more than good times. He emphasizes that the enemy has given humans free will so that they can be united to him, but still remain distinct. This, Screwtape explains, is why the enemy doesn't make himself more obvious to humans. It is the enemy's plan that humans can deny him if they choose. Bad times made humans stand on their own two lefts. <laughs> I wrote this wrong. Bad times made humans stand on their own and take responsibility for their lights, for their lives. They become more distinct and assertive and therefore become better subjects for the enemy. In the ninth letter, Screwtape advises Wormwood how he can take advantage of the bad times in the patient's life. These troughs, quote troughs, are good moments for sensual temptation, especially sexual ones. During a trough or bad time, the patient is unlikely to fall in love. His physical experience won't result in real pleasure. He will develop addictions and ever-increasing cravings for ever-diminishing pleasures. An even better way to exploit the bad times is to keep the patient from recognizing his trough is temporary. He should be led to believe that it will last forever. The method depends on the kind of person the patient is. 
If he is depressive, Wormwood should convince him to seek isolation and try to get out of his trough by an act of will or personal works. If the patient is prone to wishful thinking, Wormwood should convince him his trough isn't so bad, that the last peak or good time wasn't so great anyways. Weren't the religious sentiments that made him feel so good just excessive? Once the patient is convinced his trough is permanent, again, like his bad times, once the patient is convinced his bad times are permanent, he can be persuaded that his positive, quote, religious phase was indeed just a phase. In the 10th letter, Screwtape is glad to hear that the patient has made new friends a couple that is superficially communist and skeptical of everything in the world. Wormwood should make the patient like his new friends in order to please them. People become what they pretend to be. People become what they pretend to be. The patient may not realize for a long time that his new friendship is a worldly temptation, but he will realize eventually. If the patient is a fool, Wormwood can see to it that he only recognizes his friend's failings when he is not with them. Wormwood should try to divide the patient in half, make him feel superior to other churchgoers because he has such worldly friends, and superior to his friends because he can't understand, because they can't understand his spiritual life. This will make the patient vain and self-satisfied. In the meantime, he should be sure the patient spends more than he can afford and neglects his work and neglects his mother. Divide and distract. In the 11th letter, the patient's new friends have introduced him to their whole crew. Screwtape thinks it is a good sign, but warns the patient's laughter might be dangerous, as laughter has four causes, joy, fun, the joke proper, and flippancy. The cause of laughter when humans experience joy, says Screwtape, is unknown. But joy doesn't win souls to hell. Fun, which comes from the play instinct, is like joy. It is not very useful, but it distracts people from doing other things the enemy has in mind for them. In other words, fun distracts us from being kingdom builders <laughs> from advancing the god's kingdom and jokes are a much more promising way to win souls screw tape claims that humans especially the british can excuse any vice by making a joke of it cowardice is acceptable so long as one brags about it in a comical manner flippancy is the best of all though flippant people don't actually laugh they just assume everything is laughable. They take nothing seriously, not even virtue. This isolates them from the enemy, and contrary to what they believe, it does not make them more intelligent. In the 12th letter, Screwtape praises Wormwood for making good progress, but he must make sure the patient doesn't realize that he has begun to move away from the enemy. Screwtape is almost glad that the patient still goes to church. This way, the patient will think he is a Christian, even if he doesn't act like one. 
The patient will think that he is a Christian, even if he doesn't act like one. Wormwood should keep the patient from recognizing his vague feeling that he, quote, hasn't been doing very well lately as sin. He should make the patient feel bad, but only vaguely. This will make him reluctant to think of the enemy and prevent him from repenting or changing his ways. Soon the patient will want to be distracted from prayer because praying by making him conscious of his guilt will make him feel bad. Then, as time goes on, the patient will allow himself to be distracted by anything or nothing. Anything or nothing. For Wormwood's purposes, the patient should spend his time neither having fun nor living rightfully. Rightly. In the 13th letter, Screwtape is dismayed to hear that the patient has renewed his faith. It reads, It seems, as in this is like a direct quote from the, from the book, the letter reads, It seems to me that you take a great many pages to tell a very simple story. The long and short of it is that you have let the man slip through your fingers. The situation is very grave, and I really see no reason why I should try to shield you from the consequences of your inefficiency. A repentance and renewal of what the other side calls grace on the scale which you describe is a defeat of the first order. It amounts to a second conversion and probably on a deeper level than the first. As you ought to have known, the asphyxiating cloud which prevented your attacking the patient on his walk back from the old mill is a well-known phenomenon. It is the enemy's most barbarous weapon and generally appears when he is directly present to the patient under certain modes not yet fully classified. <laughs> Some humans are permanently surrounded by it and therefore inaccessible to us. Yeah, that's a direct quote from the book. Beautiful writing. And yeah, it's just so perfect of like, I mean, that's the Holy Spirit coming into you, you know, guiding you, leading you, <laughs> loving you, teaching you, um, correcting you. And it's like, from a demon's perspective, it's like, what is this weird asphyxiating cloud that surrounds the people that doesn't let us tempt him and lead him astray? And it's like the Holy Spirit, you know, um, it's just so beautifully written. He is, when he is directly present to the patient under certain modes, not yet fully classified. As if like, yeah, like the, we have not been classified to this information yet of why we can't tempt him. <laughs> when the, you know, he doesn't understand it, but like the, when the Holy Spirit is, is working in someone. So it's just so beautifully written. We're, we're, we're going to get into a bunch of other quotes that are just so profound and so awesome. But so... In this letter, in, in the 13th letter, Screwtape goes on to describe Wormwood's many mistakes so far. He let the patient read a book and take a walk to an old mill. These pleasures reawakened the patient's sense of reality, showing him that he had been valuing the wrong things. Screwtape reminds Wormwood that the enemy seeks to make people more distinct, more like themselves. It is their job as devils to make people drift away from their own nature, away from righteousness. It is their job as devils to make people drift away from their own nature and to drift away from righteousness. 
Screwtape tempts his own patience away from any strong interest that is not a sin, even playing sports or stamp collecting. The best way to deal with the patient's renewed faith is to prevent him from converting his feeling of repentance into action. For so long as the patient does not act on his feelings and spiritual leanings, he will remain in a fallen state. In the 14th letter, the patient is becoming humble. So Screwtape counsels Wormwood to show the patient how humble he has become, which should fill the patient with pride. And this, the, the concept of pride is used so often throughout this. It's like so obviously glaring that like basically everything is, everything is a route that leads to pride and pride leads you away from God. It's like such a very simple concept that's so profound and can go off in so many directions. But, and I'm sure it's going to come up, but yeah, in the 14th letter, he wants to show the patient how humble he has become, which will fill the patient with pride and in, in effect lead him away from righteousness. If not, Wormwood should make the patient think the desired end of humility is low self-esteem rather than a positive self-forgetfulness that allows him to better serve the enemy. The enemy, Screwtape writes, wants people to be completely without bias, to rejoice at their own achievements at, to the same degree they would rejoice at the achievements of another. This is because the enemy really loves humans and wants to fill them with charity and gratitude. The enemy would rather a person think himself a great poet or architect and forget about it than to use his energy trying to convince himself that he is a bad one. The enemy will make the patient conscious that he did not create himself, and it is Wormwood's job to make him forget that. <laughs> it, is the, it is the demon's job to make the man forget that he did not create himself himself my body my choice right <laughs> my body my choice forgetting entirely that you did not create that body in the 15th letter screw tape describes a lull in the war the question becomes whether to keep the patient tortured by fear or to make him naively confident that the war is coming to a close the enemy wants people to attend to the eternity and to the present, as all sins look toward the future. The enemy wants men to think of the future too, but just enough to act rightly in the present. So, rephrasing that, God wants men to think of the future too, but just enough to act rightly in the present. God, does, God wants people to attend to the eternity and to the present. The eternity and the present for all sins look forward into the future wormwood should make the future the patient's chief concern the patient can live in anxiety or hope about the war so long as he isn't concerned with the everyday and the ordinary if the patient is tranquil and happy because he has convinced himself the future will be good Wormwood can take advantage of his inevitable shock when something goes wrong. If, however, 
The patient prays for the grace with which to meet the future while concerning himself with his present work, then Wormwood's task is much harder. In the 16th letter, the patient continues to attend only one church since his conversion. Screwtape warns that this is a bad sign and that Wormwood should seek to make the patient indecisive, making him seek out a church like a wine to fit his tastes. The search for a church suitable to his own comforts will make the patient a critic instead of a pupil. What the enemy wants is for humans to reject what is false or unhelpful during Mass without being critical. Screwtape claims to have looked up the local churches, and a priest at one has watered down the faith to make it more acceptable to his parishioners, while the other priest at another church changed his political position every week to shock and surprise his congregation. He does not want his lessons to be acceptable or easy, but that level of critical thinking could be dangerous to the patient. In general, so generally, Wormwood should make the patient join some clique within either church, which will take his mind off of the service and make his church going a purely social activity. Make church going a purely social activity. In the 17th letter, Screwtape reminds Wormwood that gluttony is an extremely effective way to trap souls. Hell, however, has changed its policy. It is now focusing on a gluttony of rather than one of excess. A gluttony of rather, rather <laughs> than one of excess. The patient's mother is a good example. She insists on having weak tea and a piece of toast, no matter what food is set before her, and does not see her determination to get only what she wants as a form of gluttony. Glubos, it's like a demon's name, Glubos, <laughs> Glubos, Glubos, the patient's mother's demon, has done a good job to keep her thinking she, has, she is being virtuous and wanting something so little while keeping her oblivious to the fact that she is being overly particular. This particularity allows her to be controlled by her delicate stomach. The patient is male, so it is better to make him a connoisseur, to make him believe he alone knows what good food is and where to get it, which will lead to his vanity becoming habit. Which leads to vanity becoming habit. In the 18th letter, Screwtape, Screwtape considers human sexuality. Humans have two virtuous options, complete abstinence or complete monogamy. Hell has done a good job of making chastity a less common means of escape. Hell's work, says Screwtape, is to convince humans that things are unequal, that one apple is not as good as another. In humans, Screwtape complains, the enemy has mixed affection into sexual desire. Whenever a man has sex with a woman, even outside of marriage, a spiritual relationship is begun, which must be enjoyed or endured forever. Humans don't understand how love works, and this has two advantages for hell. First, 
people think they must be in love to marry. And second, many people mistake sexual infatuations for love. In the 19th letter, Screwtape is worried that Wormwood will report him to Hell's authorities for the question of whether it is good for human beings to be in love. Screwtape claims that the enemy doesn't really love humans. He only says that he loves them. He says to let the humans worry about whether being in love is good or bad. If the patient is delicate, Wormwood should make him mistake his avoiding sex for purity. And if he is emotional and gullible, Wormwood should make him think love is irresistible and good in itself. With Wormwood's help, this attitude may lead to prolonged, tragic adulteries that end in murder and suicide. In the 20th letter, the patient has discovered that lust is temporary. This makes it much harder, writes Screwtape, for Wormwood to tempt the patient with sex. So the next step is to use the patient's lust to make him to make a, quote, desirable marriage. Powerful devils deep in the lowerarchy, <laughs> powerful devils in the lowerarchy help by giving every age a desirable type, which prevents people from making compatible marriages because they pursue only the superficial characteristics they have been taught are desirable. Now that it is the age of jazz, and again, this was written in 1940, like in the early, like during World War II. It was written then and it's based in that time period. And he writes, so now that it is the age of jazz, they have taught men to like women who look like boys. This kind of beauty is very temporary, which exaggerates women's horror of growing old. At the same time, Hell is working to make nudity more acceptable and depictions of it more artificially enhanced. Right? <laughs> I wonder where that road went, road went in the last 70 years, 80 years. Every man, says Screwtape, has two types. One he desires for wholesome marriage and one he desires only for sordid affairs. Wormwood should try to involve the patient with the latter. Superficial. A superficial lover. In the 21st letter, Screwtape writes that a period of sexual temptation is an opportunity to make the patient irritable. Wormwood should give the patient the idea that his time is his own. That way, the patient will be upset whenever something unforeseen affects his plans. If the enemy were to appear in front of the patient directly and ask for his time, the patient would never refuse. But the patient doesn't realize that this is what is happening every day. Wormwood should encourage the patient to have a sense of ownership regarding all things, not just time. People resist chastity, for example, because they believe they own their bodies. And hell makes people feel they own things by filling them with pride, but also due to confusion. There is a big difference between, quote, my boots and, quote, my God. But people can be taught to have the same attitude regarding both. The joke, writes Screwtape, 
is that humans can't really claim anything is theirs. And they will soon find out to whom their bodies, their souls, and their time truly belongs. Want some gravy? <laughs> Berserker Bears in the chat saying this is gravy. Yeah. The joke, writes the demon Screwtape, is that humans can't really claim anything is theirs. And they will soon find out to whom their bodies, their souls, and their time truly belongs. In the 22nd letter, Wormwood has reported Screwtape to the secret police for comments in one of his letters. Screwtape escapes punishment, but he threatens that Wormwood will pay for this and his other mistakes. The patient has fallen in love with a Christian woman, which is terrible news. She seems delicate, but at the same time has a keen wit. She is virginal, but also sexually impassioned. Wormwood hates her. The enemy is a hedonist, claims Screwtape, a pleasure seeker. Sorry. <laughs> Everything natural is pleasurable to humans. So devils must twist these natural pleasures to make them wrong. Everything, there's a quote, everything has to be twisted before it's any use to us. We fight under cruel disadvantages. Nothing is naturally on our side. Screwtape writes, the woman that the patient has fallen for is from a Christian family who has been tainted by disinterested love. Their house is full of music and silence, and Screwtape longs to turn this into noise. Then the letter is cut off. Like, literally, the letter cuts off, like, like almost like as someone's writing it, right? The letter cuts off as the advice is being given, and it resumes in a different hand, a new handwriting. Like literally a, uh, I wish I had it, but like literally think like a thing pops up that's like, all of a sudden the handwriting is new on the letter. <laughs> and then it picks up again and Screwtape claims to have suddenly taken the form of a large centipede and is now dictating the rest of the letter to his secretary, Toadpipe. He claims that this transformation is not a punishment, although it clearly is. And that it is a glorious manifestation of that life force which our father would worship if he worshipped anything other than himself. So again, he's talking about the great Satan, right? It is, it is a glorious manifestation of that life force which our father would worship if he worshipped anything other than himself. Screwtape ends by claiming to be anxious to see Wormwood. And the letter, this letter is signed by Toadpipe. As assistant. As in Toadpipe like finished helping him write that letter, trans typing that letter out, writing that letter out for him. In the 23rd letter, the patient is getting to know good and intelligent Christians through the woman and her family. Since he cannot remove spirituality from the patient's life, Wormwood must corrupt it. He claims that a spoiled saint is more fun to torture and help. And this is a quote. That was really good. A spoiled saint, a Pharisee, an inquisitor, or a magician makes better sport in hell than a mere common tyrant or debauchee. <laughs> a spoiled saint is more fun to torture in hell. B 
Because the patient's new acquaintances have political interests, Wormwood should try to exploit the line between theology and politics. He should confuse the patient with an idea of a historical Jesus that will distract the patient from who he really is and what he did. That is Jesus. The earliest Christians were converted by just one historical fact, says Screwtape, the resurrection, and by just one piece of theological doctrine, redemption. So take note of that. That's, uh, <laughs> again, this is so inverted. So he's like, you know, he's, he's explaining like what was so horrible about, about Jesus was the fact that he was resurrected and the fact that he came to redeem us and provide redemption. In general, so again, yeah, take note of that, Christians. Uh, <laughs> two of the most important things was that, yes, Jesus was resurrected and, yes, uh, he came to redeem us. Um, <laughs> in general, hell does not want man's Christianity to affect man's politics. For if humankind managed to create a just society, it would be disastrous. Rather, hell wants men to use Christianity as a means to other ends. Devils should make men use their faith as a means of political advancement. Devils should make men use their faith as a means of political advancement. In the 24th letter... Screwtape has corresponded with the woman's devil, Slum Trimpet. Slum Trimpet. <laughs> like the woman he's in love with. Her flaw is that she has only ever known Christianity and virtuous beliefs. So she may mistake true faith with what is only habit. Wormwood should make the patient imitate the woman's unselfish, unself conscious faith until it becomes in him spiritual pride the woman's family is made up of better and more intelligent people than the patient has previously encountered in life wormwood should make the patient think he has finally met his sort of people that he is similar to the woman's family when in reality he is far below them the patient should believe this is the kind of company he deserves, that it is right, that it is his right, instead of realizing that the woman's family has accepted him out of charity and that he should be grateful. Then, Screwtape tells Wormwood not to write so much about the European war and the death count in London. The war has almost nothing to do with his own work on the patient and that the war and its results is a matter for the high command, the hell's high command. In the 25th letter, Screwtape begins by writing, quote, and this is a great one. The real trouble about the set your patient is living in is that it is merely Christian. It is merely Christian. They all have individual interests, of course, but the bond remains mere Christianity. What we want, if men become Christians at all, is to keep them in the state of mind I call Christianity and. Christianity and this. Christianity and that. 
If they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Substitute for the faith itself some fashion with a Christian coloring. Work on their horror of the same old thing. It would be much better, Screwtape claims, if they were Christians with a special interest, like faith healing or vegetarianism. Devils should exploit the human tendency to make faith into a fad. They should corrupt a healthy desire for change into an obsession for absolute novelty. This helps diminish pleasure and at the same time increases desire. The enemy wants men to ask simple questions. Is it virtuous? Is it possible? But hell wants men to worry about whether a proposal is novel, whether it fits the spirit of the times. Humans can't know the future, but they distract themselves trying to predict it. This opens up space for devils to enter their lives and bend human actions to hell's desires. In the 26th letter, the patient and the woman are in love. Wormwood should take advantage of this by making them feel that love has solved any potential domestic problems. When in reality, the problems are hidden behind the intensity of their initial emotions. Wormwood must trick the patient and the woman into thinking the goodwill they have toward each other at this moment, a result of sexual excitement is genuine unselfishness. Men think, and this is a really profound thing, really profound concept in the, in the middle of this. We're kind of getting near the end, but he explains how men, C.S. Lewis that is, writing as screw tape, explains how men think being unselfish means not causing other people trouble. And women think it means taking on trouble to help others. I'll say that again. Men think being unselfish means not causing other people trouble. And women think it means taking on trouble to help others. This difference in definitions is what makes both men and women regard each other as selfish. Then, later on, once the patient and woman have a family, Wormwood should try to create something called generous conflict. When something trivial is proposed, like having tea, Wormwood should make the patient say he doesn't want to have tea, but will do it for the sake of the others. The others will insist on doing what the patient wants. They will fight over who gets to be unselfish, and no one will be happy as a result. In the 27th letter, Screwtape writes that Wormwood is doing a terrible job or, quote, very little good at present. <laughs> His efforts to use the patient's love to distract him from the enemy are canceled out when the patient prays for help with his distraction. Wormwood should make the patient pray only for spiritual aid rather than make simple requests for daily bread. If that fails, he should make the patient believe his simple prayers have no real effect. The enemy sees all of time at once. Wormwood should seek to make humans believe their granted player prayers are a consequence of cause and effect, stemming backwards in time, while the cause, 
The prayer, the effect, and all of the choices of the individual exist for the enemy at once. Screwtape writes, and this is like another quote, but since your patient has contracted the terrible habit of obedience, he will probably continue such crude prayers, whatever you do. But you can worry him with the haunting suspicion that the practice is absurd and can have no objective result. Don't forget to use the, quote, heads I win, tails you lose argument. If the thing he prays for doesn't happen, then that is one more proof that the petitionary prayers don't work. If it does happen, he will, of course, be able to see some of the physical causes which led up to it, and therefore it would have happened anyways. And thus a granted prayer becomes just as good a proof as a denied one that prayers are ineffective. In the 28th letter, Screwtape writes that the war is relevant when it affects the patient's state of mind. The bigger picture doesn't matter, but how the patient reacts to it does. The mere fact of air raids on the patient's town should be, for Wormwood, beside the point. Wormwood should be trying to keep the patient alive. Young tempters are being swayed by hell's own propaganda, writes Screwtape. Hell has made humans think of death as evil, but if their souls are prepared like the patience is, death is a good thing. It brings them to the enemy. Wormwood must remember that it is very difficult for humans to persevere. He should keep the patient alive until middle age, when the patient may become worldly and lower his guard. Even if the patient is prosperous, Wormwood can use his good fortune to make him love the earth and not love the enemy. Young people, even if they are not religious, are idealistic and detached from the world. It is easier to wean their souls off of eternal thoughts little by little over the course of many years. Screwtape advises to keep the patient as safe as Wormwood possibly can. In the 29th letter, Screwtape opens by writing, as another quote, Not now that it is certain the German humans will bombard your patient's town and that his duties will keep him in the thick of the danger, we must consider our policy. Are we to aim at cowardice or at courage, with consequent pride or at hatred of the Germans? Screwtape claims that hell cannot make him brave, as the research department of hell has not yet discovered how to produce virtues. Hatred, Wormwood, can manage. He should confuse the patient and make him think he hates the Germans on behalf of women and children, and that hatred is, is best mixed with fear. Keep him angry, keep him afraid. Cowardice, unfortunately, is the only vice of which hell has failed to make men proud. So Wormwood must be careful. If he makes the patient cowardly, it may make him pray to the enemy for forgiveness and for strength, and therefore have the opposite of the desired effect. The best strategy might be to make the patient superstitious, which would take away his presence of mind and cause him to act cowardly in a critical moment. 
Only cowardly action is sin, but it is not a sin to feel fear. Only cowardly action is sin, but it is not a sin to feel fear. Two more here. The 30th letter, Screwtape writes, another quote, I sometimes wonder whether you think you have been sent into the world for your own amusement. I gather not from your miserably inadequate report, but from that of the infernal police, that the patient's behavior during the first raid has been the worst possible. He has been very frightened and thinks himself a great coward, and therefore feels no pride. But he has done everything his duty demanded, and perhaps a bit more. If Wormwood is asking Screwtape for mercy based on his good intentions, then he is committing heresy. Hell's justice is simple. Bring back food, a human soul, or become food. Wormwood should try to keep the patient tired without letting him become exhausted. This moderate fatigue will make him irritable. Real exhaustion, however, might give him peace of mind or clear vision. Wormwood is instructed to give the patient false hopes. That way, the patient will be disappointed when relief doesn't come. When the patient sees gore and severed limbs, Wormwood should make him think humans have a hard time distinguishing between emotional and physical reality. If Wormwood does well, the patient will see blood and violence as reality, and laughing children and good weather as mere sentiment. In the 31st and final letter, Screwtape now addresses Wormwood affectionately as, quote, my dear, my very dear Wormwood, my poppet, my pig's knee. Um, it begins by writing, and quote, How mistakenly now that all is lost, you come whimpering to ask me whether the terms of affection in which I address you meant nothing from the beginning. Far from it. Rest assured, my love for you and your love for me are alike as two peas. I have always desired you, as you, pitiful food, desired me. The difference is that I am the stronger. I think they will give you to me now, or a bit of you. Love you? Why, yes. As dainty a morsel as ever I grew fat on. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's like the, the twist at the end. Wormwood has let a soul slip through his fingers. Now that he has failed, Screwtape cannot wait to eat him. He hopes to be given a piece. Screwtape goes on to imagine what it was like the moment the patient recognized Wormwood for the first time and realized Wormwood no longer had any power over him. Um, I don't know if I explained it, yeah. So yeah, the patient dies. The patient dies in a bombing raid. And so the Wormwood has failed. He's failed to bring the man to, to hell. The man actually enters into the kingdom of God. <laughs> so Screwtape goes on to imagine what it was like the moment the patient recognized Wormwood for the first time and realized Wormwood no longer had power over him. 
The patient got off easy. He had no doctor's visits, no false hopes of recovery. He died quickly during an air raid. Screwtape is filled with rage when he imagines the patient losing his doubts and entering eternal life. Hell's two greatest weaknesses, writes Screwtape, are useless tempters like Wormwood and its intelligence department. He complains again that Hell's forces cannot understand what the enemy is really up to, but he has no doubt that Hell's realism will win in the end. In the closing of this final letter, Screwtape now describes himself as Wormwood's, quote, increasingly and ravenously affectionate uncle. Instead of closing the letter as he did the previous 30 letters as your affectionate uncle. All demons eat each other in the end. Son of Acantus, 07, what's going on, brother? Hope all is well. Girlfriend's in the chat. Berserker's in the chat. We got people watching on DLive and YouTube. No one else on Periscope. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. I want to share some of the more profound and insightful quotes from this collection of letters by the brilliant C.S. Lewis. Um, just kind of out of order, out of context. There's so much. I mean, the, the whole thing is just so profound. It's so beautifully written from the opposite perspective. So clever, so profound. Readers are advised to remember that the devil is a liar. It's like, what a perfect way to start the book. <laughs> Readers are advised to remember that the devil is a liar. And then you see that at the end, right? The whole thing was a lie. The whole thing was so true and it was all a lie at the same time. The more often he feels without acting, the less he will be able to ever act. And in the long run, the less he will be able to feel. Gratitude looks to the past and love to the present. Fear, avarice, lust, and ambition look ahead. Sins come from looking ahead into the future. Gratitude looks to the past and love to the present. The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. The safest road to hell is the gradual one. We want cattle who can finally become food. God wants servants who can finally become sons. We want cattle who can finally become food. God wants servants who can finally become sons. Suspicion often creates what it suspects. All extremes except extreme devotion to the enemy, again, that's God, our Father, are to be encouraged. So all extremes except extreme devotion to God is to be encouraged. Right? <laughs> all extremes. If you can once get him to the point of thinking that religion is all very well up to a point, you can feel quite happy about his soul. A moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all, and more amusing. It is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Yeah, keep out a devotion to God. And let the mind work on its own. 
It's always funny how mortals always picture us as an us demons, putting things into their minds. In reality, a demon's best work is done by keeping things out. So true. The thing to do is to get a man at first to value social justice as a thing which the enemy demands, and then work him on to the stage at which he values Christianity because it may produce social justice. Men or nations who think they can revive the faith in order to make a good society might just as well think they can use the stairs of heaven as a shortcut to the nearest chemist's shop. <laughs> a moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all and more amusing. I might have already said that one. Believe this thing, not because it is true, but for some other reason. That is the game. Believe this thing, not because it is true, but for some other reason. That is the game. Demons will try to make us believe anything that's not the truth. Courtship is the time for sowing those seeds which will grow up 10 years into domestic hatred. As long as he doesn't convert it into action, it does not matter how much a man thinks about his repentance. <laughs> as long as he doesn't convert it into action, it does not matter how much a man thinks about his repentance. Remember, the act of cowardice is all that matters. The emotion of fear is, in itself, no sin, and though we enjoy it, does us no good. God wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. Again, keep everyone focused on the future, not what they are doing. God wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. The last two here. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it when really it is finding its place in him. Yeah. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while really it is finding its place in him. The worldly person is insane from the point of view of the spiritual person. The final greatest, I think the, just the greatest quote of the whole book. The worldly person is insane from the point of view of the spiritual person. And I'd argue vice versa, vice versa. Someone obsessed with the physical world, this life is just blatantly, I mean, to me, it's like more and more every day, right? Like if you're truly like a spiritual person living and walking in the spirit, the people who worship and love the stuff of this earth just become so insane to you. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I wish I had it. Maybe I can pull it up on my phone. I wish I could put it up on my screen, like had it ready. But a pretty profound meme the other day. It's so deep, so simple, but so deep. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Sorry. At least I have music now to fill the empty void. Um, it's going to be worth it. Here we go. This world is all the hell 
that a true Christian is ever to endure. And it is all the heaven that unbelievers shall ever enjoy. From Jonathan Edwards. What a profound way <laughs> of thinking. This world is all that hell is all the hell that a true Christian is ever to endure. And it is all the heaven that unbelievers shall ever enjoy. Those who walk with and for God, this time and this place you experience is the worst that's going to get for you, right? <laughs> when you die, things are going to be amazing. <laughs> it's like your life right now, the thing, the thing we're living in right now, we are existing in and experiencing right now, this place and this time, or this time in this place, is the worst it's going to get for you. <laughs> so why would you love it? Why would you focus on it? Why would you try to do everything you can to enjoy it? Um, the here and now. And it is all the heaven that unbelievers shall ever enjoy. And those who do, those who are worldly people, who love the physical, who love this life with all their heart, soul, and might, and care not for God, don't believe he's real, reject him entirely, this is the greatest it's going to get for them right? <laughs> this life of suffering, of pain, of, of sickness and death, this life, this sinful fallen world is the greatest it's ever going to get to them. You know, they think that it, even in their minds, they just think that, you know, those people that say like, there's nothing after death, then yeah, this is the greatest that it's going to be. That's why they want to be utopia builders. That's why they're always obsessed with like controlling the government, making laws, because they want to build utopia here and now. They want their best life now. YOLO, right? They want this life to be the greatest, best thing ever because they either think that there's nothing after or they know deep down, <laughs> they might be ignorant to it, but they're going somewhere not great after for eternity. So they better enjoy this life while they can, right? Because their eternity is either nothingness or it's damnation. It's pure hell. And those who live in the spirit, walk in the spirit, and have their eyes focused and fixed on eternity, those people, this life, the problems in it, the pain, the suffering, the persecution in this life that we experience here and now, this is the worst it's going to get. <laughs> and that divide makes people think that the other person's crazy, right? The people in this world who are like, oh, you're sacrificing all these pleasures. Like you're not having sex out of wedlock or aborting your baby or you know, doing all these drugs and like, you know, trying to be as rich as possible and have all these pleasures all the time. Like, why would you not do that on, you know, because you, because you, because you think that there's an afterlife because you think that there's a God in the sky or sky daddy or whatever. Like to those people that are just living in this world, a worldly person, we are crazy, right? Because we know that there's some, there, we know that there is a God that created us. And we know that there is a kingdom waiting for us beyond this life and in this place. And those who are spiritual, who are walking with God and living righteously, it just seems so insane. <laughs> like, why would you just be living for this place? Don't you know eternity is going to be glorious? Like, you're going to be reconnected with your creator. Like, your true father is waiting for you in heaven. <laughs> and you're living in this world and you're enjoying this place. It's so crazy to me. So crazy to people who are truly spiritual and truly walking with God in a life of righteous living. Looking, it's it's insane looking at a worldly person. So again, I'll just read his quote again. The worldly person is insane from the point of view of the spiritual person. 
And this Jonathan Edwards quote again, the world is all the hell that a true Christian is to ever endure. And it is all the heaven that unbelievers shall ever enjoy. And yeah, start sending some, some chat questions if you have it. Topics you want me to cover. The end of the book, I got like a special edition, I guess. This book, this version of it. At the end, it includes kind of his second, he, you know, C.S. Lewis kind of wrote uh, kind of a part two, a short part two to the, the screw tape letters that basically is just screw tape proposing a toast. Um, he's like proposing a toast at some meeting of all these demons at, at a college or something. He, you know, it's like a special edition ending chapter. I think it was originally a separate book. Um, it's called Screw Tape Proposes a Toast. And I just wanted to read this little part, little part from the middle of it that's just pretty profound. Um, you are to use the word democracy purely as an incantation, if you like, purely for its selling power. It is a name they venerate. And of course, it is connected with the political ideal that men should be equally treated. You then make a stealthy transition in their minds from this political ideal to a factual belief that all men are equal, especially the man you are working to tempt. As a result, you can use the word democracy to sanction in his thought the most degrading of all human feelings. You can get him to practice not only without shame, but with a positive glow of self-approval Conduct which, if undefended by the magic word, would be universally derided. The feeling I mean of is, of course, that which prompts a man to say, I am as good as you. The first and most obvious advantage is that you thus induce him to enthrone at the center of his life a good, solid, resounding lie. I don't mean merely that his statement is false, in fact, that he is no more equal to every he meets, everyone he meets in kindness, honesty, and good sense than in height or waist measurement. I mean that he does not believe it himself. No man who says I am as good as you believes it. He would not say it if he did. The claim to equality outside the strictly political field is made only by those who feel themselves in some way inferior. What it expresses is precisely the itching, smarting, writhing awareness of an inferiority which the patient refuses to accept and therefore resents. I want to fix your attention on the vast overall movement towards the discrediting and finally the elimination of every kind of human excellence, moral, cultural, social, or intellectual. And is, it is, and is it not pretty to notice how democracy is now doing for us the work that was once done by the most ancient dictatorships and by the same methods? Allow no preeminence among your subjects. Let no man live who is wiser or better or more famous or even handsomer than the mass. Cut them all down to a level. All slaves, all ciphers, all nobodies, all 
equals. <laughs> and it makes so much sense too. The more I was thinking about this, it was so profound about how equality, you know, <laughs> think of the buzzwords like equality, love is love. Um, if you want to think of all the degenerate movements, like all the LGBT movements and gay movements and, you know, all this stuff is just like, we're just as good as you. We're the same as you. Everyone's equal. Everyone's the same. Um, if you think of like, you know, the stuff I've really been interested in physically in my free time, the conspiracy stuff of like Tartaria and just that basic question of like, why has architecture and art decreased so much? Like, look at the artists of, like, the 15th century. Like, look at Renaissance painters and compare them, compare them to the, quote, greatest artists of our day-to-day -day and just truly compare their skill level. It's almost like artistry has been taken down a notch, right? All these beautiful cathedrals and glorious buildings, architectural feats that, have, that happened in the past, and now we just build boxes. <laughs> we just built gray 90 degree corner boxes nothingness because everything has to be equal no one can be better our building can't be better you know there's nothing they can't inspire someone to be greater you can't aspire to, to achieve greatness anymore you just need things that are equal things that are the same things are that are universal and <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, and I think that's just the inevitable result of democracy, as C.S. Lewis rightly points out. When men start believing that they are all equal, there starts to be no sense of true achievement. There's no greatness. There's no people that are like great, you know, and then look at society and see how we like to cut down great men. We like to destroy great men with rumors and, you know, controversies and opinion, people's opinions and like no one can be great. You can't have a great man anymore. That person has to be cut down in one way or another. Cut them all down to the same level. All slaves, all ciphers, all nobodies, all equals. And yeah, <laughs> it's just so profound, man. C.S. Lewis is so great. Um, what's that? What is that? The feeling I mean, of course, is that which prompts a man to say, I am as good as you. Because they, you tr people truly know that's not the case. It, induce him to enthrone at the center of his life a good, solid, resounding lie that I am as good as you. I mean that he does not believe it himself. No man who says I am as good as you believes it. He would not say it if he did. The claim to equality outside the strictly political field is made only by those who feel themselves in some way inferior. It expresses precisely the itching, smarting, writhing awareness of an inferiority which the patient refuses to accept and therefore resents. Yeah, I can't recommend this enough. <laughs> the whole the whole proposes a toast, screw tape proposes a post is amazing. Screw tape letters itself is amazing. Read it and understand the blueprint of evil. <laughs> From a truly profound author who gets it you know if there's someone who just truly gets it it's c.s lewis man in so many ways pioneer zoomer what's going on brother hope all is well out in california keep crushing <laughs> just keep crushing keep weathering the storm and when california crumbles we will reclaim it we will rebuild it um 
So yeah, any last comments, chat questions, send them. It's going to be my last thoughts overall about the book. In general, this book of letters, this is just a book of 31 letters, is essentially teaching Christians in reverse. Teaching Christians in reverse. So again, Christians, get a copy of this book and read it. <laughs> and be taught how to truly be a Christian. And give us warnings. It gives us a demonic point of view in order to explain a truly biblical point of view. C.S. Lewis crushes in this and crucially shows how demons don't really care about a human's perception of time. That they've watched humans far longer than any one human's life. They know us better than we know ourselves. They have more power than we do if we choose to give it to them. And they are willing to let us destroy ourselves by just guiding us in the direction of sin. Evil will seek to make humans preoccupied with real human life, not philosophy or science or theology. It will attack us by influencing our emotions and feelings, not using logic and reason. Evil will make us disillusioned with the church, highlighting the people and the things that seem strange or hypocritical to make us think we ourselves are better than the church itself. Evil will bother us with daily annoyances or temporary gripes. Anything that keeps us from genuinely praying is useful to Satan and his wicked forces. Distractions or selfish whims that keep us focused on ourselves and not God will help the spread of evil in ourselves and then outward to the rest of humanity. Evil will do whatever it can to keep us ignorant of the existence of evil. It makes us believe that the line between good and evil is blurred and debatable, that Satan and his demonic forces are not real, and that even God himself is just a made-up fairy tale, just some sky daddy and <laughs> not actually our genuine creator and the Lord of all. Evil will seek to force our attention on the highs and lows in our lives and capitalize on our feelings about them to lead us away from God. This includes sex, drugs, and entertainment. Temptations of temporary pleasures can keep us focused on the highs of right now and not on our eternity to come. There is great harm that comes to us from very small sins. Because the safest road into hell is the gradual one. Dreams and desires for love often lead us to make stupid and rushed decisions. Our desire to love things of this world, like possessions or events or people, can lead us into destructive and deadly actions. The use of the word my, quote my, too much in one's life can lead one away from God. My house, my wife, my time. The my focus leads us away from giving back praise to the one who deserves it. When we get too possessive, we forget that all creation is God's. And that we are merely playing a role in it all and temporarily experiencing it. I have Rona in my throat. Sorry, I'm like <laughs> itching in my throat. When we focus too much on the physical experience around us, 
We get led astray from our eternal existence. We begin thinking of Jesus and salvation as merely a means to an end to solve our political, social, or even personal issues. Instead of actually seeking to live righteously and experience the true glory that comes with being close to God. Evil will always seek to capitalize on our fatigue and manipulate our emotions. It will use our desire to experience eternal truth and love and tempt us with the temporary fleeting feelings of being right and being liked here in this world. Evil is much more experienced, more knowledgeable, and more powerful than us all individually. It has been at this longer than us. It knows us better than we know ourselves, and it does a great job of even convincing us that it doesn't even exist in the first place. We must always be on our guard, always ready to stand strong and fight back against attacks, and most importantly, always trusting in and believing in God alone, who will guide us through the storm and provide for us when needed. Our genuine faith in the Lord will lead us through and beyond the attacks of Satan, our true enemy. With God, all things are made right, all truth is revealed, and pure love exists. Remember that God wins in the end. God, spoiler alert, God wins in the end. We win with him if we just stick close to, trust in, follow, walk with, serve, and believe in him with all of our hearts, souls, and minds. Let the evil forces try as they will, but truly righteous folks wearing God's armor will always be victorious in the end always be victorious in the end pioneer says c.s lewis is so great thank you all for watching no one's chatting but thank you all for tuning in everyone on d live and youtube we're gonna wrap up here thank you all for tuning in right now or in the future i appreciate it um thanks for all the love thanks for all the support for watching for listening hear me out um, on this <laughs> creepy number episode 66, not truly the Mark of the Beast episode, but a creepy number nonetheless. I will be back next week, same new time, same old place, Monday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. Central time. Sean V. Planet on YouTube, DLive, and Trovo to join us live. If you follow my Twitter, my super secret sneaky Twitter account, you can watch on Periscope through that. Um, join us live, be in the chat room with us. And as always, you can watch my replays on all my stream channels, on all the things. Pioneer Zoomer coming in hot at the very end. He says, so true. The battle is already won. It's just a matter of how we get there. It's for that reason. I will never be blackpilled. Yes. Amen. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. There's no need to be a blackpilled. If you are with God, there's no reason for a blackpill ever at all. One time. Everything, all evil, all bad is designed to bring about something good in the end. And we win in the end, no matter what. No matter how bleak and horrible things are. Have hope. Despair not. Fear not. Resist anger. 
Because we win in the end. We win in the end when we are with God. The battle is already won, says Pioneer Zoomer. Yeah, awesome. Coming in hot at the end with some profound insights. I love it. Hope all is well, brother. And to all of y'all, go out this week, as always, and do good, be good, love and be loved. Seek the good, the true, and the beautiful with everything you've got. Keep crushing. I love y'all. Again, I'll be back here next week. Have a great one. Um, yeah. Thanks again. Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBlanet.com. A lot of my artwork comes from a good man and friend of mine, Timmy J. Follow him on Instagram at S-W-I-T-C-H-B-A-X. His company, Mountain Folk, is amazing. They promote artists. They create mesmerizing art. And they sell comfy clothing that helps support groups that are fighting against human trafficking. Be sure to follow at F-O-L-K-M-T-N on Instagram, as well as at M-T-N-F-O-L-K-S-H-O-P. And be sure to shop at mtn.folk.shop. This is not a paid ad. Just help good people do good things.